Johann Sebastian Bach was not a reformer. Johann Sebastian Bach uh, lived about 150 years after the time of the reformers, as you know, became one of the most, if not the most, uh, famous and appreciated uh, composers of all times. Uh, most people would have no hesitation putting him even in the, in the top three. Uh, you could make a very good case, and I would not uh, argue against you that he may be the, the single greatest composer of all time. He was born in Eisenach, Germany, and this is a town that there's a hill outside of Eisenach, and on this hill is a castle overlooking the town. And this castle above this town that he grew up in is the Wartburg Castle. And this is the castle where, after the Diet of Worms, Martin Luther uh, was, was hid there for several months by uh, Frederick the Wise, who gave refuge to him so he wouldn't be hunted down and, and killed. And it's where Martin Luther translated the New Testament into, into German. And so Bach is growing up in this, this area of Germany that is influenced by Martin Luther's uh, theology. He grew up, he became a music leader uh, for various uh, Lutheran churches throughout Germany. Uh, he was a very uh, proficient and well-known famous organist and uh, became also a choir leader and later on a, a composer. And that's where we remember him from uh, so many of the compositions uh, that, that you have heard uh, that his music has been written down and performed by others and recorded, and we enjoy that uh, today. It can be hard to believe, but actually in some of the churches that he worked, he took criticism. Can you imagine having uh, Johann Sebastian Bach as your, your worship leader and people com- complaining that they, they didn't like the music? Uh, some said that it was, it was too complex. Some accused him of being, this is sinful music. This doesn't belong in church. Anyways, in... 1722, he took the position of a cantor in Leipzig, and he worked there for 27 years, and this was already well into his career. And this is amazing. During his first two years, when he was there, uh, he wrote a new cantata almost every single Sunday and feast day for two years. Approximately 60 of these original compositions a year. And one thing that uh, Bach was known for is the way that he would sign his manuscripts, what he would put at the end. And he would put these initials at the end. If you see up here, there's, well, the word fin, which for finish, this is the end. And then he would write S-D-G, which is not his initials. Johann Sebastian Bach would not be S-D-G. But what you have here, S-D-G, he was abbreviating three Latin words, soli, deo, gloria. Soli means alone, deo, God, gloria, glory. So to God alone be the glory. Glory to God alone. And this is the, the fifth sola of the Reformation, as we've been going through this series celebrating the 500th anniversary of the beginning of the Protestant Reformation, and even more than that, looking back to what we believe are five core essential truths, the Reformation or no Reformation, that we believe these are biblical truths. These are things that this church 
ought to be about always. This is not something that is here for a, uh, a six-week period and then we forget about these. This is what this church has been about. This is what uh, we as a church, the people, the leadership of this church, we are about. This is what uh, we will continue to be about is these five things. And, and woe to us if we stray away from these things. And I will tell you, if we stray away from any of these things, I will do everything I can to pull us back to these five solas or get fired trying to do that. But I praise God that I'm part of a church that, that we believe that these things are important. This is part of our heartbeat. This is part of what we view as essential to the gospel and to the glory of Jesus Christ. So we talk about this. Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory. If we're able to turn on the back monitor, that'd be, that'd be great. And the big theme for this is that our salvation and everything else is all for the glory of God. So let's look through this. And there's so much we can say, but we'll say a few things. And the first thing we're going to say is that God alone is worthy to receive all glory. So there's no one else that is worthy to receive this glory. He and he alone is worthy and he's worthy to receive all of this glory. Let's look at a passage in the book of Revelation. And in Revelation 4, there is this awesome scene. This is the scene of John seeing this vision of the throne room of heaven. And he sees this throne and the Lord is on the throne. There are these living creatures, these angelic beings before the throne. And if we back up a little bit before the verse that's on the screen, uh, it says in verse 8, And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings and full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Verse 9, And whenever the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to him who was seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they existed and were created." God alone is worthy to receive this, this glory and honor. This is a theme that is throughout the Scriptures. This is not something where we pull just one verse. Throughout the Scriptures, we're going to see this constant theme of the glory of God. And sometimes it'll refer to it as God's renown. Uh, things to the praise of God. God's honor, His fame. References to God's name or His namesake. Your namesake is not just the label that people call you by. It's your reputation that all of uh, existence, all of life, all of salvation is for God, who he is, and his reputation to be made known to people, for people to see it, to savor it, to appreciate it. And this is just one of the verses that we look at. So to think about this, we have to say, what, is, what does it mean to glorify God? What is his glory? And we said it can mean his honor, fame, praise his name. 
A way that we could say it is God's glory is the shining forth of His excellency. His, his majesty, uh, His beauty, everything about Him that is how He is wonderful, having that made known and shining forth, being manifested, is His glory. But then what does it mean for Him to receive glory? Because that's what the verse says here, He's to receive glory. We could say it like this, for, for God to receive glory, He's receiving it from, from, from others, for Him to receive glory is for His glory to be seen and to be rejoiced in. It's for others to, to, to recognize this glory, to, to see Him and, and savor Him from their hearts, to appreciate and admire Him for the truth of who He really is. So there's a sense where when we talk about glorifying God, we always have to remember that we do not actually make God more glorious. I mean, He is infinitely glorious. He's as glorious as He's ever going to be. He's as glorious as it is possible for any being to be. Uh, he's already maxed out the scale and beyond that. There, there's no more room for increased uh, how glorious God is. But then there's the matter of making that glory known to creatures. I mean, he knows it. God is, exists as a trinity for all eternity. And so the, the Father knows how glorious the Son and the Spirit are. And the Son knows how glorious the, the, the Father and the Spirit are. They know that. But they want to share how magnificent of an experience this is to know God. And so God, through his free act of creating this world and making us, made people that can, that can experience that glory, that can reflect that glory. And so we talk about glorifying God. This is not something that primarily we do with our voices. I hope that during the, the wonderful worship that we had this morning, as you, were, as you were singing, and I love being a part of a congregation that, that sings and that you can hear that, it's possible that we could have all been singing and saying words but thinking about other things. I don't think that's the case for most of us, but there's times where we have to catch ourselves. There's times where during the, just the wonderful special music, we can be tuning out instead of thinking about these words and glorifying God with our heart. But it's not primarily about the singing. It's about our heart's action of savoring and appreciating God for who He is. That's why we come to church every week. That's why we're in our Bibles. That's why we uh, go through everything that we do so that we can see Him more. and We can treasure Him more in our hearts. So that's what God's glory is. And this verse also tells us why God alone is worthy to receive all the glory. Well, it gives us one primary reason in Revelation 4.11. Well, he is, he is the one that created us. He created all things. I mean, that's the reason that this, uh, the, the elders, the angelic choir are giving, at least here, one of the reasons why he is, is worthy to receive all glory and honor and power. It says, for, for means because, because you created all things. And by your will, they, were cre- they existed and were created. We cannot take uh, our own existence uh, we cannot take credit for this. You cannot take credit for the fact that uh, you woke up this morning existing. Okay? Yeah, you chose to get out of bed. You did this. And we, we take breaths. Uh, but you did not create the air molecules that you breathe in. You did not create your own lungs. 
okay? Even your mama, when you were in her, her belly, uh, this is, she was not the, the one that originally created you. This all originally came from God who created everything from scratch. And he didn't take some pre-existent material and do the best he could. This was all from scratch. This was all his, his original design, his handiwork. And so, yeah, he gets to be one that gets all glory for all things. And if you are the one that creates all things from scratch, and then, yes, that is the reason why you would be worthy to take credit for that. None of us will ever be able to do that. He receives all the glory. He is also alone worthy because he alone, as we mentioned, is perfect in his excellency, in his beauty, in his, uh, just the wonder of his being. And if, if we don't see that, it's because we need to have the scales taken away from our eyes. We need to have our hearts changed so that we can uh, recognize who he is. You know, if you taste honey and it doesn't taste sweet to you, the problem is not with the honey. There's a problem with, with you. And so if you are looking at God and you are bored, if you are looking to God and you think other things are more exciting than he is, again, it's like the problem is not with the honey. There's, there's a problem with us. We need to have something done with our taste buds. We need to have something done to, to our appetites. And that's what he does when, he, when he, God saves us. He starts changing us so that we can appreciate the, the real ultimate treasure that he is, that is beyond everything else that you could possibly imagine or experience. He is genuinely worthy. And so when we talk about God being glorified, this is not like a vanity thing with him. You know, if we were to go around uh, wanting ourselves to be glorified, that's pretty vain. One, because we're not God. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve to be the, the center of all attention because we're not God. But if you happen to be God, then it's different. Then you actually are worthy of this. You realize to, to glorify God and to, to praise him is nothing else besides just telling the truth. To do anything besides recognize him as the supreme, most uh, ultimate treasure, that would, be, that would be a lie. That would be not seeing him for who he really is. So God is not asking for some kind of exaggerated compliments. He is, this is just a matter of living according to why we were created and living according to the truth. So what is God's glory? Yeah, it's the shining forth of his excellency. Why God alone is worthy of this? He's the designer. He is perfect in beauty and excellence, and he is worthy. And yet, on top of this, we want to also remember always um, something that, well, Luther called this a, a theology of the cross. That's not just about seeking glory for glory's sake, but this is also a God that died for us on a cross. And if you do have your Bible open still to the book of Revelation, if we read on into the next, into the next chapter, this great passage starts with verse 1. He says, Then I saw the right hand of him who was seated on the throne and a scroll written, And on the back, sealed with seven seals, and I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? Worthy. Worthiness is is worship when you proclaim worthiness. And no one in heaven on earth or under earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. 
And John says, I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And skip ahead to verse 7, it says, And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. This is Jesus. Each holding a harp and a golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, listen, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood you ransom people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on high. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering a myriads of myriads and thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Let me just finish it. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. So we see here, we see we see God the Father in the throne and we see the Lamb of God as well who is able to open this, this, this scroll. And He is able to receive glory and honor the same as, as God the Father because they are equal. They're equal in, in uh, their dignity, their, their Godhood. If Jesus Christ was less, He would not be able to receive this glory that is due to God alone. But Jesus is able to receive this. So we can give all our glory to Jesus Christ is a member of the, the Trinity, is the, the Godhead, the one, uh, there, there's one God exists in three persons. But also, what we notice in this, giving this glory to him, it describes him as the Lamb who was slain. And how different is this that us as Christians, we worship not a God that is some kind of megalomaniac that sits in heaven, aloof and above everything else, saying, Worship me, worship me peons, but a God who was willing to come down. And a God that was willing to go not just, not just down to our level, but to go to the cross and to be slaughtered like a criminal for you, for sinners and rebels like you and I, taking our sins so that we could be saved. Yeah, that changes how we can worship God. This is a God that loved us this much. He is worthy to receive all glory and honor for who He is and for this salvation that He has given us. And so we talk about the five solas. Yeah, these are important for so many reasons. They're important for our salvation, for getting the gospel right, for making sure that we are a church that is, uh, that is correctly teaching the gospel and is focused on the right things. But these five solas, they're important because they guard the glory of God alone you take away from any of these solas, you are messing with the glory of God. You are compromising His glory that He deserves to have. 
Last week we read Romans 5, 1 through 2. I want to put this on the screen again because it just hit me how great this passage is because I see all of the, all the five solas in this passage, in these two verses. Let's see if you see them as well. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, okay, last week we talked about faith alone is, is the way that we receive salvation that God gives to us. It's received by faith alone, okay? We've just by faith alone, so we have peace with God. You don't have peace unless you have received Christ as your Savior, unless you personally have trusted in Him. And how do we have this? We have it through our Lord Jesus Christ. He had to pay the price. He had to die on the cross. Salvation is uh, in Christ alone. We said he, it's in Christ alone. He is the one that is the head of our, our church. He is our one mediator between God and man. And it says, through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand. So grace meaning this free gift that he gives to us. We receive it by faith, but he gives it to us as a free unearned gift. And it says, in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So we have this hope that we look forward to more and more of experiencing his glory. So you see all five of them there, but you might be saying, well, there's just four that are circled. Is there, what, what about the fifth one? Well, what are we reading? We are reading Scripture, aren't we? Scripture alone is what tells us this. How would we know that this is true if we didn't have God's perfect and error? We're telling us that this is the truth. This would be too good to believe otherwise. So, Silly Deo Gloria, this is... It's been described as the glue that holds all these other five solas together because they're all about the glory of God and they all funnel into it and make sure and protect the fact that, that He alone gets the glory from our salvation and from everything else. So when we talked about 